0: going to try my best to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and whatever God lays on my heart or whatever he shows me, that's what I'm going to try my best to share with you guys. And that's just where I'm at right now. So what why, I give you that to say that the things that I say over the next few weeks, it may not be pretty. It may not be very formal. Not that I say things that are very pretty or very formal anyway, but I'm just saying like it may be especially informal. It may be especially ugly for the next few weeks because I'm just kind of... I don't want to say I'm winging it, because I'm not really winging it, but I'm really trying to just listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying and try to tell you what I feel like God is putting on my heart. And so, anyway, it's going to be very informal, if you will. And I feel like that's what God's calling me to do. And and these messages aren't necessarily tied together in any way. They're just things that that maybe current events have kind of spoken to me recently, and maybe God is showing me some things that throughout the week that I just am supposed to share with you. I, I... I'm not sure, but I, I know that certain things pop up during the week, and I 'm like, I'm, I need to tell people about this. Um, one of the things that uh, it, it just I, I, it was just kind of came out in the news in the past 24 hours, I believe it is, and that, the fact that they're going to have some uh, cruise ship passengers that were quarantined because of the coronavirus they're talking about bringing them here to the Fort McClellan and, uh, or McClellan it's not Fort McClellan anymore to McClellan and they're going to house them there, and they'll be in quarantine there and, there's a lot of people up in arms about that. There's a lot of people that feel very strongly that that shouldn't happen, and you know. So I, to be honest with you, I'm not going to share any political views uh, to the best of my ability. I may have an opinion. I'm not going to try to share that with you. Uh, you can form your own opinion about that. But it kind of has just kind of opened my eyes to some things because I think as Christians, a lot of times we get stuck in this weird limbo position about what should I do. And when I say that, what should I do? It's like. You know, people want, want to say that you're supposed to love like Jesus, right? That we're supposed to love everybody and we're supposed to to, to to minister to the poor and the widows and orphans. And yes, that is absolutely true. And Jesus even tells the rich young ruler, he says, go and sell everything you have and then go and follow me. So people want to extrapolate the things that, that Jesus said or the things that Jesus did and try to make that apply to every possible situation that they can. And I, I don't believe that's true. Uh, I Do not Do you believe that God has called everybody in this room to go sell everything you have and, and give it to the poor? Has God called every one of us to do that? I don't think so. I, I, I don't think that that would be rational. It, the reason I don't think so is because he didn't turn to his 12 disciples and say, You guys go sell everything that you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow I me." Mean, he didn't say that to them. He said it to this rich young ruler. You have to understand the context behind what Jesus is saying sometimes. It's not just that people are like, well, you need to love like Jesus. Well, what they're trying to say is you need to love like you are Jesus. Well, I tell you this, I'm not Jesus. I I don't have the capacity to love like I am Jesus. I, I have to love Jesus, and as God leads me, I follow Him. And and, and when God challenges me with something, then I'm supposed to follow that too. Like if I was a rich young ruler and Jesus looked me in the eyes and said, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come follow me, I would look at that as a direct revelation to me that God said, go sell everything you have and then come follow me because I've got some stuff in my life that needs to be purified and cleansed out of me so that I can go follow Jesus. That was what he was telling the rich young ruler. He wasn't looking at every one of us and saying, go sell everything you have and then come follow me. He was saying, whatever it is that hinders you from following me, he'll get rid of it. He'll get rid of it. I do not like, <laughs> you guys may know this about me, and I could get on the soapbox about this for hours and hours, I do not like when people take God's Word, and then they want to twist it and manipulate it, and try to make it fit whatever kind of political situation they're in, or whatever kind of stance they're wanting to take. That's not what God's word's for. That's not at all what God's Word is for. Uh, So we get stuck in this weird limbo thing of of what should I do, right? What should I do? Um, I had a conversation with a previous church member at 4 o'clock in the morning the other morning. Yes, I know. Um, It doesn't happen all the time. It just happens sometimes. I I had a phone call at 4 o'clock in the morning. um, And it was to talk about the fact that this particular person had family members that they had tried to help. And they had really desperately tried to help them. Well, the problem was these particular family members didn't want to help themselves. Anybody ever been in that situation? You try to pour into somebody, you try to do something for somebody, and you try, 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 and it's seven times seventy, right? You try, and you try, and you try, and you try, and it's like they're not trying themselves. They aren't meeting you, not even halfway. I'm not saying meet you halfway. They aren't meeting you a quarter of the way or an eighth of the way. They're just like not trying at all. And and like we feel like that, that we're we're not doing enough if, if somehow we feel like at this point we should show them tough love and say, Enough is enough. I can't be I can't be an enabler for you to continue to do this just because I'm trying. Enough is enough, I have to do what God leads me to do, and maybe sometimes that's show you tough love. Maybe sometimes that's cutting you off and saying, Enough's enough. You gotta hurt for a little while, and that's God's way of showing you that you desperately need Jesus Christ. That's truth. Now you won't hear that preached all over the place. And I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I've been begging God, God speak the truth through me. And, and I will just tell you that, that sometimes people want to take the truth of God and try to use it against us. But here's what I told this person on telephone at 4 o'clock in the morning. I said, do you feel like you're in a right relationship with God right now? Are you connected with God? Are you reading His Word? Are you praying? Are you talking to God? Are you seeking His face in this particular situation? And the answer was yes. Maybe more so now than I ever have. Well, praise God. Praise God because you are in the right place to listen to the Holy Spirit of God as God gives you discernment and wisdom about what you're supposed to do in every situation. You see, some people want to take the Bible and they say, well, this is a rule book and this is an explanation of every single thing that you're supposed to do in every situation. That is not what this is for. This book is not a rule book and it's not a decision maker about every single possibility of things that you will encounter in your life. For example, whether or not you're going to pass your calculus exam or not. It, it, it doesn't tell you that in here, you know? But what it does tell you is it tells you about the heart of God and it tells you about who God is. And our job is to take this book, digest it into us, eat this word if you will and take it so internally into us that it becomes second nature to us so we know who God is and we know what God is telling us in any particular situation that we might encounter it's not like we can just open it up and what am I supposed to do in this particular situation and then God gives us a perfect answer it's not like that and some people try to extrapolate from this and say well this is what Jesus did in this situation and I will tell you I'm not Jesus I can love like Jesus, but I cannot love like I am Jesus. And and I think it drives me crazy when people try to make the Bible do something that it's not intended to do. It's just not intended to do that. You know what you're supposed to do in those situations. You're like, well, what am I supposed to do? Am I? Let, let's say that you're a government official and you're you're praying about whether or not you should allow people with you know, that are quarantined with coronavirus. You know, they're test positive for coronavirus, but. They're not showing any symptoms whether or not they should come into our town and whether they should be at a McClellan, you know. And maybe you're an official. You're, you know what you're supposed to be? You're supposed to be so in tune with God that you can listen to what God says in that particular situation and do it based on your discernment and leadership of the Holy Spirit. That's what you're supposed to do. When you've got family members that are rebelling and not, not meeting you a half or a fourth or an eighth of the way, and what am I supposed to do? You stay tuned into the Holy Spirit. You pray about it. You fast about it. You get close to God and say, God, what am I supposed to do? I understand what your word says about loving people and having a heart for people. And I believe that if you are in tune with the heart of God, that you will make the right decisions in those situations. And there will be people that will try to use the word of God against you and say, well, you're not loving everybody. You're not loving everybody the way Jesus loved everybody. And they will try to use the word against you to try to make you feel bad and feel convicted in that situation. You should be so in tune with the word of God that you say, I do not feel convicted about what you have said. I feel convicted about what the word says. I have no idea how I got off on all of that. But I'm just going to say that that that's what I I really, I, I didn't intend for that to be the message today. But apparently that is the message uh, I want to read to you something about the coronavirus uh, because it was something that I read through and it is touching to me and I really want to share this with you. Um, I don't typically um, use this website very much for reference, but I found it and I, I believe this particular article to be true. It's called The Christian Post. Um, I don't know much about it. I'm not giving a plug for them because I don't know much about them. I have to give you that disclaimer, but this is what the article said. As the death toll rises... Um, of the death toll of coronavirus virus reaches 1,383. This was written back on the 15th of February. According to the numbers released by the Chinese Communist Party, Christians on the mainland are risking their lives to provide aid to families and cities that have been deemed high risk for the disease. Mark Haas said, World Helps Vice President of International Programs, told the Christian Post that the Christian non-governmental organization is partnering with local pastors to distribute emergency relief in the provinces surrounded by Wuhan, where the infection is known, to, uh, known as COVID-19, is thought to have originated last December. For over 20, 20 years, we've been working with a network of local Chinese pastors and church planners doing Bible distribution, church planning, and evangelizing, he said. So we heard this network is willing to distribute protective masks as well as food to the people they're ministering to. They all, all they needed were resources. We are actively on the ground right now providing masks and food to as many people as they, can, as, as they can to help prevent the virus. With an additional 5,000 reported Friday, the number of coronavirus cases in mainland China has now surged past 63,000. Adam Scott, an infectious disease expert at the Center for International Security Studies at the University of Sydney, told Reuters that... Uh, the new figures give no indication the outbreak is nearing a peak based on the current trend in confirmed cases it appears to be a clear indication that the, while the Chinese authorities are doing the best they can best to prevent the spread of the coronavirus the the fairly drastic measures they have implemented to date would appear to have been too little too late he said over 1,700 me- medical workers have been infected by the virus six have died Reuters reports additionally hospitals are experiencing Severe shortage of face masks and other supplies. While the pastors and other aid workers uh, partnering with World Health are taking preventative measures, they are risking their lives to provide aid to those in need. Our partners are being as safe as possible. They're taking every precaution they can, but they feel this is a calling and a time to step up. One of the effects of the virus is people are staying inside. They're not going outside if they don't have to. So these pastors are choosing to go out of their communities out of love for the people as, as a practical way of spreading the gospel. We feel strongly that we can be an example of a very, very practical gospel, he added. This is one way Christians on the ground can practically help those who need it, even in the face of danger. The Humbai, a province, uh, province numerous areas are under quarantine. Last week, the government reported to officials Wuhan to round up everyone who should be rounded up as part of a wartime campaign to contain the outbreak, as reported by the New York Times. On Friday, the Chinese state-run television announced that everyone returning to Beijing would be required to isolate themselves for 14 days. Anyone who does not comply should be held accountable according to the law, according to the text of the order released by state television. Because of this, Hodgson told CP that World Health is focused on the province surrounding Humbai, adding there is no such lockdown right now, and the threat of a spread is so real that we are primarily focusing on the outskirts of Mumbai, which is also a high-risk area. The coronavirus is a global concern. At least 25 countries have confirmed cases and three deaths have been recorded outside mainland China, one in Hong Kong, one in the Philippines, and one in Japan. World Health Organization has warned that the virus poses a grave threat to the world. Chief Territus, I cannot say that name, said the virus could have been more powerful consequences than any other, than any terrorist action. As the number of, uh, of coronavirus cases rise, Christians are on the forefront, on the front line, sharing the gospel and practical aid to those in need, Huxley said. God has stressed and is present, even God, he stressed, is even present in the darkest of times. And this uh, goes on to say more about that a little bit. But basically, what is happening here is in, in the hardest hit areas, I'm not talking about, you know, going out to just anywhere in China, these are some of the hardest hit areas that what they're doing is they're using that as a platform for the gospel. And they're using that as a way to reach people with the gospel. Does that mean that every single person, that we should all pack up our bags and go to mainland China to go and share the gospel with people and pass out masks and provide aid? You should if God leads you to. You should if God leads you to, but you shouldn't feel convicted if God has not led you to do that. And that, that's, that's my point, I guess, is being tuned into the Holy Spirit in such a way that you listen to Him, but God is not causing you to do things out of guilt. Do you understand the difference? Different people are called to different things, and, and if, if you do feel guilty, then you should rectify that by listening to the Holy Spirit and talking to God about it and say, God, is that really what you're calling me to do? Or is that just because of the outside influences that I feel particularly guilty about this situation? Every one of us should be praying and seeking God and and fasting and, and, and chasing after God and understanding what God has called us to do. Every single one of us should be doing that. And God is leading you to a particular area for you to share the gospel. This is what I do know. That we are called, every one of us, to go and make disciples. Every one of us are called to go and do something it's what that something is that you have to discern according to the Holy Spirit. You know, we we talked about recently about Paul and his conversion and and like how how he became a Christian after persecuting Christians and and how he became a Christian and they actually helped him to escape from the city, escape through a window out of a, on a basket and escape out of the city. You know, like well that's not very Jesus like. Jesus would have just busted up in there and like walked right through the the city gates and just like. Tore it down, but that's a pure indication, a clear indication that, that, that Paul is doing according to what the Spirit has led him to do. I believe that if God had led him to walk down through the streets, that he would have done that. There were times when Paul did that. And sometimes he got stoned as a result of what he preached. That doesn't necessarily mean that every single time that's what God called him to do. Do you see what I'm saying here? Does, is anything I'm saying making sense? That there are specific things that God has called you to do and what those specific things are are not exactly the specific things that everybody's called to do. And that's okay. That's okay. I'll tell you the reason that this came to mind, particularly for me. I have been dealing with, for a long time, and I mean, when I say long time, years um, here at Simple Church about whether or not that I should wash somebody's feet. Okay? Okay? And I was like, dealing with that? Should I do that? You know, and, and that's what Jesus did with His disciples, right? My fear was that that might bring glory to me and not to Jesus. And that was my fear, and that's the reason I did it. So I did it. I listened to the Holy Spirit, and I was like, should I do that? I don't know. Should I? You know. So I did. And typically, when it comes to following Jesus, I, I, I'm very patient and deliberate about doing things, especially if it will have... You know, it'll be seen by a lot of people and make a pervasive impact. I'm very careful about that to be slow and deliberate in listening to the Holy Spirit of God. Well, the thing that kind of occurred to me today that kind of provided me some relief was Jesus is like, think about why I did that. I was talking to God about this extensively today because I didn't know if I was supposed to do this today or not. And, and Jesus, like, think about why I was doing that. What was I showing the world? Will you be showing the world the same thing if you do that? He said, because you, you have to understand what I was doing in the context of where things were, what was going on. Kenny, I hate to tell you, that ain't you, son. <laughs> that, that was Jesus. That ain't you. And I'm not saying, look, I, this is what I'm not saying. There are churches that have done this, and they, their pastors have washed people's feet. feet. <laughs> Sorry, I told you to be very informed. That have washed people's feet before. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, because if the Holy Spirit of God led them to do that, then so be it. Let them do that. I'm talking about where I was and my relationship with Christ and what God revealed to me. And what that has shown me today, and I want to read this particular passage where Jesus washes his disciples' feet, is, and you're called to something specific. And just because Jesus did it in the day and the time and the place that he was in doesn't necessarily mean you're called to do it, that exact thing in the day and the time and the place where you're in. The, the example, the very easy example I gave myself was Am I supposed to wash people's feet? Jesus did that. I felt like the answer God gave me was Well, he fed 5,000 men, and it was probably twice as many women and children there. Are you going to do that too? Are you gonna take five loaves and two fishes and make that happen too? One of, the, one of the the main things that people like to say about drinking alcohol, and I, I'm not this ain't a thing about drinking alcohol, but let's like say Jesus drank alcohol, so that means I can too. And I was like, well, Jesus walked on water. We'll go out to the beach and we'll see how you do. You know, and I'm not saying anything about drinking alcohol because it's not a sin. It's truly not. Being drunk is a sin. I will tell you that. But but that, that excuse of, well, Jesus drank it. i was like, well, he walked on water. Start marching, you know what I mean? Like, I want to see it. We'll go to Oxford Lake. We'll make a big day, but, you know We'll start a picnic. But anyway, so... Sorry, I didn't mean to derail the conversation by saying all that, but... So, anyway. So let's talk about Jesus washing some feet here. I promise it's not going to take that long. Maybe. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew... His hour had come to leave this world and return to His Father. Okay, verse 1 says, By the way, Kenny, this ain't you. You know what I mean? Like, this is not you. You're not called to be crucified for the sins of all of humanity. This is my Son. Okay, I got it, Jesus. I got you. He loved His disciples, disciples during His ministry on earth. And now He loved them to the very end. So he's expressing his love. Okay, I'm starting to understand. It was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and he had come from God and would, turn, would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. I had a, a moment, and we, we talked about this just recently in our little prayer group over here. I had a moment when I was doing a play, and, and I was Jesus in this play, which, by the way, that's the only time I've been close to being Jesus, but I portrayed Jesus in a particular play. And um, we got to the scene, we were, we were in full dress rehearsal, and, you know, um, it's actually, I think it's when I first grew my beard, as a matter of fact, and we were in full dress rehearsal, and, um, We got to the scene where I was supposed to get a basin out and towel and act like I was washing people's feet. And and I couldn't do it. I broke down. When I say I broke down, like I broke down in a big way. Like people thought that I was just acting or something, but I started crying. And then I started crying uncontrollably, like ugly crying. And and like I was face down, I was on my knees and I was face down and I was just like, I was going crazy. like I, Because I could not, for the life of me, imagine why my Savior would love me in this way. And that's a picture of how he loved his disciples. And as we are followers of the teaching of Jesus, and we are followers of Jesus, we are his disciples too. And I think you can extrapolate that. And I do believe that he loves us like that. He did that for all of His disciples. Even Judas Simon of Iscariot. Even him. As a matter of fact, it goes so far as to point that out. In that particular passage, it says, it says, by the way, Judas was there. He was already set out to betray Jesus. And he was there. And Jesus washed His feet too. I'm like, I, I read read that many times before I was to be this and play and like, I just had this moment I was like, God, I, don't like I, don't, I don't know why you loved me like that I don't know why you would care so deeply about me and he goes on to tell us why and, and we'll talk about that in a minute but just like the fact that Jesus would lower himself and humble himself to be my servant in that situation I couldn't even handle that thought in my heart like I'm not even there's not one little tiny piece of me that's that's worthy to be his servant, and here he is serving me. But that was just a prelude, right? That was just the first step in his service to all of us. Because it went a lot further. It went a whole lot further. He served us through his death. He had a terrible beating put upon him and his body and To the point where he was unrecognizable as a human being and I say that a lot because I, I think that's important for us to know the kind of beating that he endured I said you couldn't really tell that he was a human after he had been beaten for all of us like the gravity of that first step of Jesus washing my feet the very Son of God God coming to earth as a man and then on top of that it's like that's just small potatoes compared to the sacrifice and the way I'm going to serve you completely. And that is going to be by my death on the cross. That should break us all down. It should break us all down. Here Jesus is, is looking at these people and, and what what did he see? I mean, he looked at, around these disciples, and if you read on oh, in this particular passage, very shortly thereafter, he tells Peter, You're going to deny me. You're talking a good game right now, Peter, but you're going to deny me. Three times you're going to deny me. Before tomorrow you're going to deny me three times. And he looked in Peter's eyes and he saw that. And he washed his feet. He looked at Judas Iscariot. He looked at him and and, and knew that he was selling him out. Knew that he was turning him over so that, that he could be killed. And he washed his feet you know, back when Jesus did feed the 5,000, you know, Philip was there, and Philip was kind of like the accountant of the group, and and Philip was like, five loaves and two fishes, what what is this among so many? And Jesus washed his feet. Or the guy that we give a lot of flack to, Doubting Thomas. He's like, until I can see the scars, until I can know for sure that, that that really was Jesus, I'm not believing anybody. Jesus looked into his eyes and watched his feet. I don't know if that's ever been you where you doubted Jesus or questioned Jesus or wondered, man, am I really going to stand strong for Jesus and then turned your back on Jesus in the middle of it? And just about every one of his disciples, as a matter of fact, when Jesus was being beaten for all of them, they all scattered, went everywhere because they were afraid that they were going to have the same thing happen to them. I've never been to you in your life. I know it's been me. I know it's been me. And you have the picture of what he's doing here with all these people and their frailty and their human nature and Jesus is washing their feet. When Jesus came to Simon Peter. Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? So Peter's the only one that's kind of stepping up here to say anything because he's like, this is craziness. I mean, I really believe that that's what's going on in Peter's mind. He's going, this this is crazy. Jesus, what are you doing? Maybe the other guys were thinking that, but Peter's the only one that has said it. And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. I think that what God spoke to me through this is that this is what Jesus was doing in His particular place, in His particular time. He says, you don't understand now what I am doing. And he was talking about himself. But one day, someday you will. I think for all of us, I think that we need to take something away from that. And, and that is that when, when Jesus said someday you will, I think he's talking about the future, right? And I think he's talking about the time when the Holy Spirit comes. And when he, when they start to actually having to serve other people, they serve other people even to the point of death. Almost all of them, you know, John being exiled to palace. I mean, like everybody else is serving Jesus, even to the point of death, to the point of whether they're being clubbed in the head or burned at the stake or a, a ton of different ways in which they died as martyrs for Jesus Christ. It's like someday you'll understand what it really means to serve. What it really means. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus had just told him, so you don't understand now, but someday you will. And Jesus, and Peter, what is he trying to do right now? He's trying to understand. He's trying to wrap his feeble mind around it, trying to say, you can't wash my feet. And Jesus gives him a stern, stern look, I think. And he says, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. You, you say, okay, what, what, what does that mean? You won't belong to Him. If we will let Jesus wash our feet, we will not belong to Him. There's a couple of elements here. One is that Jesus served us all through His death. That washing our feet would be small potatoes compared to what He actually did and how He served us all on the cross. And I think that the other thing that He was trying to show Peter here, and He was trying to give him the understanding of the gravity of the situation, He knew that the most important thing to Peter was for him to belong to Jesus, for him to be with Jesus. And Jesus is trying to say, this is how big of a deal it is. If you don't let me do this, you don't belong to me. I believe there's part of it where he's just trying to get Peter to shut up. Like, okay, I'm going to let you do that. Because that was the biggest deal to Peter, was that he belonged to Jesus. But I think to all of us, in a way, it's like, you have to understand that unless you let me serve you, you don't belong to me. For, for those words. That we have to think about Jesus serving us on the cross. I, we don't often think of that that way. We, we talk about Him dying on the cross for our sins and we talk about Jesus uh, being the it, it, eternal punishment for, for what we deserve and taking that upon Himself. But do we think about that as service? Do we think about that as service? How He served us on the cross. We didn't deserve it, but He did. He served us. goes on to say "Well, Peter he has to interject he says then wash my hands and head as well Lord not just my feet so Peter has still got to interject and say something here I won't go into this because we don't have time for a whole sermon about it but Jesus replied a person a person who was bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean you and you disciples are clean but not all of you for Jesus knew who would betray him And that was what he meant by saying, not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe and sat down and again asked, do you remember? uh, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord. And you're right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you want to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do you... Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor are the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing that. Here's one of those times where people like to take that and say, well, Jesus said, Jesus said, well, I've washed your feet. Now you go and wash everybody else's feet. Ask you a question: Is Jesus really talking about washing people's feet? That if we are to, if Jesus washed our feet, then we're supposed to go to each other and wash everybody else's feet? Because I was really struggling with should I do this. The reality of what's being said here is that Jesus served us. Now you know what it means to serve. You go serve everybody else, just like I. It's a picture. It's a picture of what it means in the heart. See, everything about Jesus all goes down to the heart and the motivation and what's behind that. I had this conversation with this, this this friend of mine at four o'clock in the morning, and the last thing I said was, It's a good thing that God didn't say faith without results is dead, but He said instead faith without works is dead. You know what he's saying? Results are in His hands. What we're supposed to do in our lives is try. We're supposed to try. So for you, and maybe you have things in your life that God has called you to do. Maybe God has shown you you're supposed to do this and you're supposed to do that. And Sometimes we get frustrated because we don't necessarily see the results of what happens. And God just says to try. God just says you do as I have have done. You be obedient to me. You listen to me. And for some people, they feel guilty because they haven't gone to mainland China to pass out face masks. That may be God's calling for your life, but that's not God's calling for everybody's life. See, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to be tuned in to God's voice. You're supposed to be so connected to God that you know His voice and you know it distinctly, apart from every other voice that's in your head. And you listen to Him. It's not about us doing exactly as Jesus has done. We, can't, we can love like Jesus, but we can't love like we are Jesus. So we have to love like we are. And we have to love in the same manner in which Jesus did. Look, God has called us uniquely to a different thing. God has called us, in some cases, to be strong and to show tough love. And to say, you know what, Enough's enough. I've tried and i have done. the place that you're in is God's way of, of, of chastising you and, and chastening you because He chastens those He loves and maybe that's what's going on. And Maybe I, I find myself in an effort to be for God actually working against God. That could be the case. That's why we have to be tuned into His Holy Spirit and that's why we have to be connected with God so that we know that we're in alignment with His will and not our own. something that you heard that stuck out to you that maybe didn't stick out to somebody else. There's something that you heard today that that God spoke directly to your heart about. His praises—you're very connected to the Holy Spirit of God. its it's like His voice is right there in your ears. It's like you can hear Him. It's like sitting right next to.